Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning that we've already had, and we do pray now, uh, you'll help us hear your word and be transformed by it. As we once again come to the birth narratives and consider a bunch of those titles that Jesus came with, we thank you that he's the Messiah, we thank you that he's Emmanuel, and help us now again today be reminded that he's our saviour, maybe be even challenged to believe in him being a saviour for the first time. Amen. Now, if only, if only, oh, look at that picture, if only we could save more people, if only that's what we could do, save more people. That is, what, that is what the sentiment was in Oakland, in California. When the firefighters, the police and the uh, authorities were devastated by what happened. I don't know if you heard the story. There was a kind of cool, hipster, art house, music place. It was a warehouse. And it was a place to hang out and express your artistic talents Somehow there was a fire. There was about 50 people in the building. 36 died. If only they could have saved more people was that sentiment. It's devastatingly tragic when something like that happens. And this is just one story that out of everyday events, these kind of things happen. See, the sentiment of anyone who is in the rescuing business, whether that be a firefighter, whether that be a doctor, whether that be a surf lifesaver, whoever it is, is that it's always that feeling, you can't help but feel, if only we could have saved an extra person. It's heartbreaking. But you see, when Jesus arrives, when Jesus arrives on the scene, the expectation is... He will be a saviour. But the thing is, he won't be left standing saying, I won't, I was not able to save those who wanted to be saved. He is the saviour. It was very clear, I don't know if you picked it up in our reading today, he is the saviour. Both Matthew and Luke talk about very clearly he, is this, he brings salvation and make it a priority of the beginning of their Gospels. Last week when Jack helped us think about Emmanuel in, in around that passage, that's what Matthew says. Look at one one twenty one there up on the screen. What does it say? It says, She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. In Luke chapter 2, in that Amongst that passage we had read for us in verse 11, we read, Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Salvation is at the beginning of the Gospel stories. The angel thinks it's so important to declare it. On his arrival, a Saviour is coming. It's front and centre. 
It's really, really obvious if we jump back to the end of chapter 1 in Luke's Gospel, and if you've got it in front of you, otherwise you can just kind of listen on with me, is that in Mary's song, in Mary's song and in Zechariah's song, we see they have great expectations of a saviour. It took Zechariah a while to get there. He had, to, uh, had a few issues when he first heard. But then he got sorted and they sing some songs. Mary, in chapter 1, verse 46, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my saviour. I think if we were to go through and tear this uh, passage apart, which we're not doing today, we'll do it another time. I think we need to go back and do Luke bit by bit at some point. Here, she's talking about the God, her Saviour, who's going to save and restore Israel. What they've been crying out for. A couple of weeks ago when we talked about Jesus being the Messiah, here he is and he's going to be the Messiah who saves Israel. Verse 48, from generations... Oh, sorry, verse... um, Uh, 50, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has brought down, verse 52, he's brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. 54, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants, here's an interesting word, forever. Just as he promised our ancestors. The expectations of a saviour were there for Israel. They needed someone to save them. They, they needed their king to come, the Messiah that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and he is, this Messiah is a saviour. They go hand in hand. And Mary's glorifying God in song as she's been told that she is going to bear that saviour. Puts it front and centre. Likewise, Zechariah's song. Zechariah... We know who Zechariah is, the father of, um, of the guy who goes beforehand, John the Baptist. And he says very, very boldly, right up front, verse 68, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. Pulled them out. See, that idea of redeemed for God's people makes big deal because that redemption out of the Exodus being redeemed was a big thing. And he's bringing that up. He says in verse 69, he has raised up a horn of salvation for us, a mighty saviour who is the Messiah in the house of his servant David. Here we have songs before the birth of of, uh, Jesus and John the Baptist praising God who brings salvation. The expectation is kind of palpable in these songs. We kind of lose it a bit all this time later. They're very exciting songs. Salvation is not... I think we see right from the beginning of the, the, of the, the birth narratives, not a secondary issue or something that happens incidentally. I think that's a really helpful thing for us to remember as a church, especially after we've been going now since March, to remember that is always at the centre of who we are. Because I think as you consider church history and consider uh, where churches sometimes lose the plot is when we kind of push Jesus being saviour into the background, not necessarily kicking him out, but pushing him into the background as if that's not key. Because we need to be more palatable. He is the saviour. There's lots that goes with it. He is a great example. But he's saviour first. 
It's not incidental. It's not incoincidental to his social reform in which there's massive social change in these Jesus communities into all eternity. But that can only happen with salvation. And I was thinking about this time of year and I kind of got thinking about it when I see the Christian kind of uh, logos, mottos and things. And what I was just thinking about is often these mottos really do highlight the Christian message just on the periphery. So you get hope, love, joy. All come out of the fact that we have great hope in Jesus. We we should be loving of each other because of the love that he's given us in his sacrifice and the joy that we have, joy to the world, our saviour reigns, which we're going to finish with today. It's there. But when you just don't have Jesus and his salvation at the front, it's kind of lost. And that's the secular world. Lost the saviour. The idea of peace. We just need to pray for more peace in the world. We should be doing that every week. We should be considering that all the time. But the peace that comes is in Jesus. That's what we're going to do on Christmas Eve. Talk about uh, Jesus bringing peace. Goodwill and hope. and All these things come out of a saviour. And so as a church, we're not going to let that kind of hide into the background because we've done that now for six or so months. We see it in its magnitude and in its glory and all its different components and how it shapes us in many different ways and changes who we are and how we live and how we think about the world but we never throw it away but the thing is I reckon what's happening here and particularly in Zechariah's song I wanted to point it out to you as we think about Jesus being saviour I reckon you can see on the screen salvation expectations needed some recalibration They needed a little bit of tweaking. Have a look at Zechariah verses, uh, chapter 1, verse uh, 76 and 77. Let me put that up there on the screen for you. Let's have a look at it. Zechariah, here he goes. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. So he's talking about John the Baptist. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. This is a big deal. So the expectation is a king's going to come and he's going to save Israel. They're going to now actually be out of their tyranny. But verse 77, to give his people knowledge of, of their salvation, giving knowledge. They needed some clarity on what this salvation is going to look like. And John the Baptist is going to do that. He's going to prepare the way. And if we read about John the Baptist, what's his message? There's repentance for the forgiveness of sins. It mentions that in chapter 3 and Luke really goes into it, uh, Matthew really goes into it. Repentance, turning back to God is what's needed. He will forgive He's going to do it in a crazy way that they've got no idea about. This king who's going to save, he's going to die. That makes no sense. Got, they need their expectations recalibrated on how he's going to be the saviour. And here it's just pointed to. Through the forgiveness of their sins. See, what are they saved from? What are the flames? Those horrendous flames at Oakland those horrendous flames 
that take away any life in a bushfire that are unbearable to think about what are these flames well we saw it with the kids it's sin through the forgiveness of their sins Matthew he'll be called Jesus for he will save people from their sins he will seek and save what was lost in Luke 19 we looked at a communion but when we think about sin I reckon does anyone like a pun joke or is it just me yeah I knew you do Jake you do them all the time it's painful um any you like pun jokes I reckon sometimes we kind of have sin a little bit like a pun it's not when we say the word meaning another thing that that word's now we've got it wrong we're just kind of using it out of context or kind of changing it and missing it and not quite getting it right and that's what makes it funny I reckon we can kind of do that with sin when we kind of just water it down to bad stuff and that's it or I think how many people and many of my friends when I talk to them about uh, Christianity would kind of think of it it's when you just do wrong stuff or you're breaking rules whatever those rules are whether they're Christian made up rules or whether we're talking Ten Commandments whatever they are just the rules being broken that sin I reckon that's kind of like the distortion of how we distort with puns it, it, it it's not wrong but it's not really everything might be a bit more of the outworking of it you see look at that verse again I left it on the screen through the forgiveness of sins the word forgiveness really points to something see forgiveness is a relational term you don't forgive someone without being in a relationship forgiveness is the thing you do when a relationship is kind of shattered and broken and you want to restore it you forgive and it's dealt with sin causes a relational problem with God the issue is the breakdown of relationship with God through the forgiveness of their sins the sin is this breakdown of our relationship with God we know established all the way back with the first humans Adam and Eve all the way through we see the story of God's people that they constantly had this breakdown with God even though he constantly comes back to them and shows them grace and gives them every opportunity to repent and turn back to him they do it for a season and then they turn away and the issue isn't that just you've broken that rule you're done the issue is you've broken that rule because you keep on rejecting me I set out all the laws of my people Israel so we could be in harmony together and you're rejecting that the issue is you aren't in right relationship with me and that's what uh, the Jews were needing calibration with and as you read the Gospels and we saw that in Mark this year when we read the Gospel of Jesus Jesus was trying to help them see what the Messiah was going to be and what he was going to do and how it was kind of different to what they thought was because like us like all of humanity we need our breakdown with God to be dealt with that's what needs recalibration and the thing is you and I are included in this now we don't need re, we don't need to be recalibrated from the idea of oh, I've been waiting for Israel to be restored but what we probably do need is to consider oh you know it's not just that I keep on doing wrong things it's that I do kind of 
turn away from God. That's the challenge. To see what Jesus has come is to restore a relationship. It's not just individual and personal as if we work in isolation. That's why you don't just live your Christian life by yourself. We do it in community because he's restoring a people. He's bringing us together. But you have to deal with it personally as well, actually, primarily. You have to make sure there is forgiveness between you and God. That's what's at stake. See, that's what's at stake here as we think about this, is that there is a kingdom. There is a kingdom with a king. And he wants you to be in that kingdom, as we saw the Messiah. There is life or death. There is salvation from death. And there are forever consequences because, well, even in, um, in Mary's prayer, there's salvation to Abraham's descendants forever. See, a day does not go by, as I mentioned to earlier, where the idea of pain and loss, where someone is desperate to be saved, and I'm pretty sure you can probably think of someone in your life who you wish they were saved from some kind of heartache, turmoil, and probably, for some of you, death. And it tears you apart. Because that's what it is. It's not supposed to be that way. But what's at stake here, when Jesus is declared as the Saviour who forgives, is that we look past the physical. That when we look at what's at stake and that forgiveness is offered because there is a spiritual death that is pending because of our rejection of him expressed in how we live, the sin we do. God wants to give forgiveness. Jesus would not have come just to throw in our face our pain and suffering and say there is forgiveness for sins. That's what it means. That when we remember Jesus is Saviour, we're not entering the world of Christian cliches. And I, can't, I, I wrestle with that because that's how I feel like sometimes with, with that phrase of the salvation. We are entering into something profoundly spectacular. You and I are going from a broken relationship with God over here to Jesus being born, which is just announcing what he does at the cross, and then we come over here on the other side of the cross in relationship with him. That is salvation. If only we could save one more, is often our cry. The bigger issue can definitely be yours. Your life with Jesus. There's heaps that goes into it. That's why there's four Gospels and there's all the letters which explain in great detail what that salvation looks like in your life, how it actually saves, all the different ways to describe it. We've talked about redeemed briefly today and all the other fancy words that kind of look at 
Jesus' salvation from different angles, like the atonement, like um, bigger words like propitiation, you know that one, that's a good one, that's one of my favourites. And there's all sorts of other ones, there's reconciliation and all these kind of ways of seeing the cross. We should never be bored of it because there's so many different ways that God has showed to us how he saved us, as we see it in different ways in different weeks. But as we think about this, we need to consider the Saviour and you. I, I don't know where you are uh, with God, whether you're a follower of Him now reflecting on your salvation or whether you're wrestling whether you really need Him or not. But I reckon one of the big problems of our, our world, our Western world that we have, is that it doesn't think that it needs a Saviour. That to this point, you switch off because, well, that's not relevant to me because I don't need one. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's not out there. Maybe that's you here. I want to suggest to you to consider that maybe you do. That's the first challenge I want for you. And last few weeks, I have been really kind of confronted by that in a way I totally wasn't expecting. Uh, A a couple of weeks ago, I had the most profound expression of someone sharing how lost they are and how they want someone who knows God to help them understand it. It came in an interesting place. A couple of weeks ago, one of the best experiences of my life happened. Uh, Jack, uh, Corolla, and a couple others, Anton and, and a few others, we went to a concert in the entertainment centre, Ben Harper and the Innocent Criminals. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you guys have got taste. He's amazing, right? He's one of the best musicians I've ever, exper- ever heard of, and I've always wanted to hear him, and he was in- big in like 2000. That was around when he was big. He's still going, and he got his old band back together, and they played, and so I thought, I'm going to go get to see him. It'll be brilliant. He was more amazing than I could ever imagine. The bass player was just unbelievable. And the concert was amazing. But near the end of the concert, and I've been listening to his music a lot and his words, and he sings songs with meaning, he's sung gospel music, he's got that kind of background. And near the end, in the encore, what he does, he yells out to the crowd, is anyone here religious? And there was a bit of a cheer. Is anyone here not religious? It was a louder cheer, not surprising. But then he said, is anyone here kind of somewhere in the middle? That got the loudest cheer, which is really interesting. But then he kind of paused genuine you you could it was oozing in genuineness and he just kind of sighed at us looked at us and he just said it's up here on the screen can someone tell me what life is all about because i'm so completely and utterly lost it was an amazing moment but what was even more amazing the song that he sang after which was about that being lost and asking the lord Someone to pray for him to the Lord because he doesn't know what life's about. This is a guy who's got it all. One of the greatest musicians of the modern era and he's lost. He sung a song crying out to the Lord after that and it was so powerful. He stood on the end of the stage in like two, three thousand people, no music, no microphone and just screamed out amazing pitch, this song crying out to the Lord. We went away from the concert, just that was profound we went away thinking we need to pray for this guy but what i've been reflecting on this week that is the issue 
most people don't even get there that they're lost and need something he did he does he has for a long time and tragically he's heard the gospel and knows the gospel in knowledge many times you need to see that you're lost without Jesus I'll never forget that moment because it will remind me of the spiritual reality that was going on in that room all those people who were lost which is our world but we don't just stop there Jesus came to save if we accept we're lost and so we accept his salvation we trust his in, in his salvation for you he forgave sins we turn back to him you know the Christmas story is a great story it's a great time but what we have is we have a humble birth that goes to a brutal cross we don't stop with a baby being born we remember that he lived the perfect life as the king as God with us the next week we see as Lord to die for us to actually take our sins there's forgiveness because he takes our sins on himself and that is what I want to leave you with today that Jesus is absolutely the saviour it's front and centre we cling on to it with everything we have if you cling on to Jesus, if he is your saviour, never let it go. If you're wrestling with that, can I encourage you to continue to wrestle with it? Don't let another day go by without trusting in the saviour or seeking to understand it so that you can. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that we will have greater clarity this Christmas on how spectacular it is that your Son is our Saviour. We thank you that you've revealed yourself to us to the cross. Help those around us who seem lost to consider Jesus. Help us to remember the joy that his salvation brings to the world this Christmas. It's in his mighty and powerful name we pray. Amen.